DJ and PK, it's time to bring in David Locke. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto team. And David joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain's state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties. Or you can call 877-346-3333. Save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties' water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. David, good morning. Good morning. My live stream hasn't ended, so people are watching me do this show with you right now. <laughs> how many people? I know I am. <laughs> oh, I don't know how many people, but it didn't like end the way it was supposed to. So, let's see. Well, let Not them good. linger then. And Put your shirt on. Yeah, I have a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did anything crazy in those few minutes. It's always a nerve-wracking thing to start to retract your last five steps and wonder what you did on the last. <laughs> sure, I can probably pick my nose somewhere in the top. How are you guys? What another like? God, you have the best jobs in the world. Like you, you're going to have to amend your long-standing um, rules, David James. Yeah, you have your little philosophies that there's X amount of days a year that like it's a layup and then you really make your money the other days. I actually don't agree with it. I actually think you make your money on the, the ones who can do a, a unique show on the, on the easy days are the ones that are the best. Um, that's what you guys always do. When people listen to you, they always get a little bit of a different perspective, easy on, easy on, even on what you would think of as a layup show. But boy, let me tell you what, not many guys get to go back and play T-ball as adults. I mean, it's just <laughs> like they just play from there for you every day. <laughs> There have been a few stories. There's been a little bit going on. Three college I mean, football teams here won 30 games. That, and they're not like just stories. Like, I mean, obviously Danny Ainge is amazing. That's what we're going to talk about. I don't want to derail this. But like the Jackson State story is one of the most fascinating, like five, six, day, seven, eight days worth of topics. But Deion Sanders gave this recruit. Cash. In the new nil world. Cash. And can I just tell you that there's nothing I enjoy more than watching these coaches who've been having boosters for all these years behind the scenes, paying their players and doing all this stuff illegally, and now this in public, you would think it, oh my goodness gracious, Dabo Sweeney, can I just laugh in your face? <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody minds on this side of the country seeing that guy struggle. I don't, I don't know. I'm South Carolina is probably different, but around the ACC, they're probably enjoying it too. Uh, so I do want to talk to you about Danny Ainge. You yeah. grew up with the Carl Malone poster on your wall. I did. Famously. And the three of us, you, me, PK, going to jazz games in the 90s. And the jazz were always a team, and it was a Jerry Sloan philosophy. Maybe he got it from Frank. Uh, but I know Jerry believed that when teams are together, the third-year guys were together. As they're playing, you know, 175, 200, 225 games together, they are getting to a level where everybody knows what everybody else is going to do, whether the next thing happens is A, B, or C. And they'll all re- react together. And just that, that little bit of uh, just almost uh, ESP, right? I know what's coming before it's coming. Makes teams a little better. And the line between winning and losing is so fine. But Danny Ainge is the CEO now. And Danny Ainge, he'll make moves. He'll be more aggressive. He'll turn over the roster more quickly. Do you think that changes a little bit 
Do you think this organization is in for some surprises and the fan base better better get itself ready for what is coming? How, how is this going to play out? So, I, so one, on your point on just how the team's playing, they're just these plays every, on one, one or two a night where like a team tries to surprise us and the guys like pause, realize what's happening, and react. And it's just awesome. It's just it's really amazing. Um, I don't remember. I think it might have been in Minnesota. I don't know where it was, but there was one where Donovan started a move and they doubled him out of nowhere. Royce reacted immediately correctly, but Donovan actually hadn't seen that Royce reacted correctly. So Donovan actually had pulled it out already and then started to signal. And as he went to signal to Royce, like, Hey, this is what they're doing. Royce was like, yeah, I already got it, man. I was already there. Like, let's just do it again. So Donovan went right back to the right spot. They doubled him. He hit Royce in the middle, rotated to Boyan. I don't know if they made the three, but um, it was just one of those things where you saw it. So I actually have dug into Danny Ainge pretty significantly, um, obviously over the, and, and there's a lot of data. Like it's a pretty interesting hire, right? We, there's not very often you get 18 years of someone's work to look at to try to figure out his characteristics. And I, I'm not sure I think that all of the characterizations of him, if you look at the 18 years of work, are actually accurate. One of them, like he is a traitor, mm-hmm. but he's a traitor like at the big moment. And then he's really a fringe traitor. Um, and he's actually a fringe traitor before and after the moments, which is so if you kind of go look back before he makes the Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen deals, he's making like he takes over in, in a year. He just kind of, he, he gets these tiny little advantages on deals um, along the way. And then, and those are kind of the deals he just makes. And, and they seem like immature. And you look back at them now and you're like, Oh, what was that? Like, why did that matter? But you can kind of find over the thread, some little piece somewhere in the process. Like, Oh, that's why he did that. Cause you don't, not every deal has to be a massive grand slam. And then the next signature is, he clearly understands other teams' desires. Like he's the ultimate Stephen Covey, seven habits of highly effective people, view the world through someone else's lenses. And he got that Phoenix was in desperate financial trouble and had to get rid of a draft pick, that they didn't want to take their draft pick, and so he ended up with Rajon Rondo. And he got that Oklahoma City wanted to be as terrible as they possibly could be in Seattle so they could redo Major League and get to the golden haven of Oklahoma City so we all could go there twice a year because it's so wonderful instead of going to the Pacific Northwest. And he got Ray Allen for Jeff Green. And he knew that Kevin Garnett was forcing his way out of Minnesota and mad. And he got and he gave them some value, but not great. And he knew that... Um, uh, Pokeroff was desperate for a winner and he fleeced him. Right? And he knew that Philadelphia was desperate for the shebang and the number one pick rather than the number three pick and that they needed that and he took advantage of that. Like, you can just look down the road of when he's made the major moves, he's got someone who has a need. He's not fleecing them in the sense that he's not giving them what they want, but he's certainly taking advantage of their desperation in that moment throughout his career. I also think, too, the hard decisions, and you went through his highlights, and everyone's going to go back to that trade to got them the title there with the three guys, uh, and all Paul Pierce, uh, obviously we know who, what, how that turned out. The other stuff, you know, he did fleece those guys, but it's not like the team did a whole lot with, uh, with Jason Tatum. They haven't yet, anyway. Well, I mean, he got, see, that trade yields him Jalen Brown and Jason yeah. Tatum. They still haven't done a whole lot, though. 
But I mean, it's just the right yeah, thing. I mean, the thing that I was going to bring up, the thing that I like that he did is he'll make the hard decision. And he had the hard decision with Isaiah Thomas and he made it. And in retrospect, it looks like clearly that was the right decision. So sometimes these guys are a little hesitant to make the tough decision, the easy decision, you know, to get those guys that you just mentioned. Sure, you do that. But sometimes you got to make the hard decision. And that's what I like about him. And I think um, that's where we are, right? Yes. Like, our next move is the most difficult move. First of all, we're very limited in how we could do it. Second of all, you have a 500 team and you make a trade, like, you know, so what? Like, the be- there's not a lot of downside to that. Like, it doesn't, it's not a lot that's going to go wrong at that point. Um, you know, you, you could either be 500 probably again, or maybe it gives you a little boost. But right now, the trade we're about to make, you, you, you could go make a move right now and dislodge this apple cart, and all of a sudden you've ruined one of the best teams in the NBA. You could make a move right now, and no matter what move you make right now, you're moving a beloved player of both teammates, front office, and fan base. Like, there's... Like these guys like each other. They've all been together so long that the front, like they all get a, you know, the, an outside set of eyes that might be willing to say, you know, okay, I got you, love this guy, but like here's the reality of like what his return to us is over the next eighteen months, and I think that that probably means we got to make this move. That is an easier conversation to be had probably with another set of eyes. And then the last one that I would mention, and, and I. I hope this doesn't come off arrogantly, but I've just been very fortunate over the last few years of by running locked on. Decisions are super hard. Like I've lost a lot of sleep over some really simple decisions or how I'm getting a group to a decision or what we're doing on something. They're just really hard. And I'm sure Justin Zanuck was perfectly capable of doing this, you know, but why wouldn't you add someone else? But if I'm just looking at it from Justin, then I was thinking this when I was watching Justin in a presser this week. It's just super hard. And you don't, you have a sort of a relationship with Ryan Smith that's building over time. And Justin's a great people person. So I'm sure he's got a pretty good relationship. But like, this is having another person to just bounce that idea off. If you're not just an egomaniac who has to be the one, then it's wildly productive. And Justin's not that guy. That's not who Justin is. So the fact is, like, if I'm been Justin and I'm just isolating this to Justin and I'm in his chair for the last, like, this next decision, while exciting, is super hard. And to have somebody else, you can kind of say, hey, I'm thinking of these two, three things. What's your thought? How do you look at it? What's your viewpoint? Is incredibly valuable. Um, because, like, they're just, decisions are really, really hard. There has been plenty of commentary, and you can find it nationally, especially if you're a Jazz fan, you got a chip on your shoulder. Hey, the Jazz are good, but they are not on the Warriors' sons' level, and don't waste my time talking about it. You buying that? How to respond? And Because it, it plays into what we're just talking about here at Ainge. If a hard decision has to be made to get the Jazz up one more level so they don't go out in the second round again, or, hey, they're already there. It was massed early in the year. The team's good, but they lost some games before Rudy Gay got uh, worked in the rotation, and they're, they're good to go. Don't worry about what the standings say, and don't worry about outside noise from whatever person on whatever website or TV show. <coughs> Gesundheit. Um, 
So, I mean, I think we have probably like a 15 to 20% chance to win the title. Yeah. And I think so does Phoenix, and so does Golden State. Milwaukee probably has about a 22% chance to win the title, and that actually put Brooklyn at like a 17, 16% chance to win the title. Like, I kind of think that's how it is right now. You know, those numbers are probably, I probably should drop all those numbers about 2 or 3% and go give the Lakers 3% chance, and I actually think the Clippers probably deserve a 10% chance if Kawhi gets back. And even if Kawhi doesn't get back, I think they could win a lot of playoff series. Um, really like them. So they're, you know, there's just, they're on the fringes. They're, boy, Lawrence Frank's done a great job in a bunch of stuff, but like the Ibaka, like, let's see if he plays again. Did he just disappear for the year? Like, what just happened? Something weird just happened with Ibaka. Like, where's that going? Um, so maybe not. Maybe I, maybe I should stop my Clipper love. Um, but I think that, um, see, I mean, so that's my answer to your question is we have a chance. It's the same as everybody else's really at this point. It's kind of how I thought it was at the beginning of the year. I do think Phoenix is, if someone wants to raise the flag of disrespect, it's Phoenix, not us. I mean, they went to the NBA Western Conference Final. They went to the NBA Finals last year. They're playing without Devin Booker, and they keep winning. Like, holy smokes. And they won by 20 last night again, right? Yeah. And I don't think Booker played. I mean, if someone and I, – and I had Phoenix if – I'm, if I'm being totally honest in all my metrics that I run before the season, I had Phoenix pretty considerably ahead of everybody else in the West. And the thing on Phoenix is I think Booker, Aiton, and Bridges will all get considerably better as the year goes on this year. They're still in development stage. They've had the NBA Finals experience. They're better. I also had the Jazz second in the West because I had Donovan and Rudy still getting better. And other than Luka, those were the only players I had in the West that from a career trajectory point were going to change where they were on on the totem pole of excellence. And that has turned out to be true. Donovan and Rudy are much better players than they were um, a year ago. Donovan, dramatically so. And so I actually would say that I think um, that increases our chances of more than I had our chances of the year started. Donovan and Rudy are pretty close to both top 10 players in the NBA right now. That's exactly where I was going with my next thought as far as Donovan Mitchell because you put Steph Curry on a plane unto himself, but where do you put Mitchell? And I think you already answered that to me. I think you know, Curry is just absolutely sensational. But other than that, at that position, I think Mitchell's right there. Can I geek you out and... Like you can stop and tell me if you don't, if it like makes no sense, because I really don't. This is actually the last thing I did right before I came on the show, so it's what it's I'm thinking fresh. about in regards yeah. to Donovan's progression. Please. So I have an uh, seriously, just like if it's not making sense, stop me at some point here. Um, I have an offensive metric that I use to evaluate offensive players. And it's called points gained. So the idea is that if Patrick Kinahan got ten possessions on a get, or scoring opportunities on a given night, how would you use those scoring possessions compared to a player? to average players in the NBA. Does that make well, sense? PK would dunk 10 times. <laughs> right. And then, so, but actually, so that's an interesting note. The dunkers are getting like, the big men are way more important this year than they've ever, ever been before because no one's going to free throw line and no one's shooting at the rim. So Rudy is actually one of the most dominating offensive players in all of the NBA right now because he's dunking five times a night or four times a night, and that's huge. Um, so here's Donovan, some points gained. Example, Donovan Mitchell in his rookie year used 23, 19 scoring opportunities a night and was negative 0.6 points below average. Okay? So if you had distributed those, those 19 possessions to average players, they would have scored 0.6 points more per night than Donovan. 
It's a pretty good metric to look at them. But the point of this is career trajectory. Negative 0.6. Negative 1 his second year. Not uncommon. His third year, negative 0.3. Really big jump. That's the year you're supposed to make your jump. Two to three. That's a big jump. Last year, subtle jump. Negative 0.1. This year, positive 0.9. Massive jump. He has now become one of the very few high-usage players who's efficient. And that's special. Daniel, we will leave it right there. We've got to move along. We appreciate that. And before you go, do you want to wish... Was that bad, huh? No, it's fine. Do you before you go? Do you want to wish uh, PK happy birthday? No way. Way. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Why? Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, every, everybody yeah, gets I one a year. I actually, I got. You know what? <laughs> actually, like you're right there with me. I think like the whole birthday thing is the strangest thing in the world. Like, first of all, celebrate the mother. They're the ones who did the work a long time ago, right? Like. What did we do? Like, oh, I, a bunch of people took care of me, and I survived another 365 days. Woohoo! Now, most recent 365 days, probably worth celebrating. Frankly, we should celebrate every day we get through right now. True. Thank you, David. You know what? You guys what? are really outstanding, and it has really come to me recently in the most recent month how much I enjoy doing this show. I think sometimes I had taken for granted how good you guys are, and what an absolute pleasure it is to be a guest on this show. And I have been reminded over the last few months how much I really enjoy it. And I just want to commend you for what great, terrific work you do and what a pleasure it is to come on your show. Yeah, can you bump Kelly Papinga? we got to keep Locke for another half hour. <laughs> Thank you, David. <laughs> See you guys. All right. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. You will hear him tonight. The Jazz are back in action at home against the Spurs. The game tips at 7 o'clock. And the Wizards will be here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Jazz with an eight-game win streak right now. We're going to switch and talk college football next. Former BYU Cougar Kelly Papinga made the move to Virginia with Bronco Mendenhall. Bronco suddenly retires. Now what? We'll talk with Kelly Papinga next. Stay with us.